The following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. All right, well if you could find your place in your Bibles this morning, Galatians chapter 1. We're actually going to be finishing out chapter 1 today. We'll start in verse 11. And uh, as you're finding your place there, this is, um, everybody knows I'm a Clemson guy. That's no secret. Uh, Today, I thought uh, as an olive branch, I would uh, do something for all the Gamecocks in in the congregation today. So let me ask you a question. What if I were to tell you all that I had arranged for Steve Spurrier to come and speak here one evening at the church. Well, would you know who that is? I mean, obviously, you know, you would. Folks, not necessarily even Carolina fans, but folks would know who Steve Spurrier is, right? Uh, he's, he's fairly well known. But just, just in case you don't know uh, much about him other than the fact that he's a, a football coach, let me tell you a little bit about his life and background. He was a two-time All-American quarterback as a player. Uh, He's been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. He won the Heisman Trophy in 1966. Uh, I I didn't really know all this stuff about him other than the fact that he was a coach, but he played in the NFL for 10 seasons for the 49ers and for the Buccaneers. While he was um, coaching, he won uh, six SEC championships. He won one national championship and played for another one. He, uh, his team was ranked in the final top 15 in each of his 12 seasons at Florida, including nine top 10 finishes, and five of those were in the top five. He uh, appeared among the top 25 teams in the weekly polls 202 of a possible 203 weeks including each of his last 202 consecutive weeks. He's the only coach in major college history to win as many as 120 games in his first 12 seasons at one school. His winning percentage then was over 80%. He's also one of only two coaches in major college history to win 10 or more games in six consecutive seasons. Of course, this was prior to uh, Clemson, who's done that 10 years in a row now, uh, but this, was, this statistic was uh, a little bit dated. But uh, also, his years as coach of the Gamecocks were the most successful in the history of the Gamecock football program while he was there. Their, their, their uh, wins and losses and their achievements during his time as coach were the most successful. Now, that's just kind of a a resume, if you will, about Steve Spurrier. But here's the thing. Uh, Even if you're not a fan of Steve Spurrier or you're not a fan of Florida or South Carolina, uh, if I knew he was coming to speak, I'd probably want to go hear him. I I think it'd be interesting. I'd I'd love to, to, to be there to hear that. Well, the point is, if he were not well known and did not have a reputation then you might just be like, well, who's that? And why would I bother going to hear him speak? The reason why people want to go hear him is because they know who he is. 
even if they've never met him, they know who he is. They know of his, uh, some of his achievements and accomplishments, and so they want to go hear what he's got to say. Well, in a, in a more important but similar way, Paul, after his experience on the Damascus Road, and he came to be saved and follow Christ, and all that experience in his life, he was very well known. And people would hear about him and want to hear what he had to say, even if they'd never met him, even if they didn't know uh, where he was at the time. But if they heard, hey, you know the Apostle Paul is going to be speaking here in the next week, people would gather. And, and there's a reason for that. He had a message that was worth hearing. The title of the message today is, He Got a Full Dose. And I throw that phrase around sometimes, but uh, what I mean by that is, Paul was well known and nobody ever had to question what he believed because it was well known. His reputation preceded him, so to speak. So let me read for us today from Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 11 and going down to verse 24, the end of the chapter. And we'll talk about a few things that I believe we can learn from God's Word that will apply directly to our lives that will help us in our uh, living as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. Here's what the Bible says, Galatians 1, beginning in verse 11. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, and stayed with him fifteen days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing. He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Father, in Jesus' name I pray that you would take this word that we've looked at this morning that you would give us understanding and strengthen us to obey what you show us and help us to take this word and let it be applied to our lives. Help us to glorify you in everything we do. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Now this particular set of verses, there's a couple of paragraphs here, but we looked at last week how Paul was pretty upset that the folks in this region, in these churches, 
were deserting the gospel. They had been taught, they had heard, and yet now they were going off following different things because these false teachers called the Judaizers were coming in and were trying to lead them astray away from the true gospel. And so we looked at that um, in Acts 16 as just a, a verse there, um, kind of a cross-reference to show us when, when Paul was traveling and the group that came in there trying to make folks believe they had to have circumcision in addition to their faith in Christ. So it was the gospel plus something else. And anytime you add to the gospel, you've already messed up because that's not the true gospel. The true gospel is Jesus is all you need. He's more than enough. So here we see Paul talking a little bit more personally about what he's done and where he went. And so there's a couple of things, three things actually, that come out in this text that I want us to see. First thing is this. Preach a message from Christ. Preach a message from Christ. We're Christians. If we call ourselves Christians, if we follow Jesus, if we say, I've been saved by the blood of Jesus, by His grace and mercy, and He died for my sins, and I'm trusting only in Jesus for my salvation and forgiveness. If that's you, then you're following Jesus. So that means... If you're following Jesus, you have a responsibility to share a message from Jesus. Thankfully, no Christian has to worry about what they should share when they're telling someone else the good news. The, the message is provided for us. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to come up with it on our own. We take what Jesus says, and that's what we share. So there's a, uh, in some respects, there's a burden lifted off of us in that. But look at the... Um, the lengths to which Paul goes to try to make sure all these believers know, hey, what I taught you, I didn't get it from somebody else. My, I didn't get it from my brother or my sister or whoever else. Jesus gave this to me. Look what he says. It's not according to man, first of all. It wasn't received from man. It wasn't taught to him by man. Just in the first two verses, he lays out this truth that this gospel, this message I have, it came directly from Jesus. And it's not something I made up, and it's not something somebody told me. This is something that Jesus Himself gave me. Now look what He says there in verse 12. Through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean exactly? What do we know about Paul? We're going to get down to this in the next section here, between the next... Uh, the second and third point, but uh, I just want to say from the beginning, we know enough about Paul's salvation experience from Scripture that we know how he got saved, when he got saved, where he got saved, and we know a little bit about what he did after that. So what he's telling us, what he's telling the churches and us by extension is that Jesus himself when he was on the road to Damascus, he didn't just get blinded and then go to be led into town and then Ananias comes and prays for him and, and the scales fall from his eyes and then he gets baptized. And, and, and those things. He didn't just all of a sudden know the gospel and he didn't go to, all right, now I have to go to school and, and figure this out and get taught. No, Jesus himself gave Paul the information he needed. So you know Paul was a Pharisee, which means he studied the Old Testament 
very, very well. And he knew it very, very well. So now Jesus himself is taking all that head knowledge that Paul had and he's transforming his perspective and his understanding about the, the knowledge he had. So it's like if you read the Old Testament but you don't believe in Jesus, then you're going to read the whole Testament in a completely different way than it's intended. And so Jesus himself interpreted the Scriptures that Paul already had read and known to help him understand the true meaning. Does that make sense? He gave him the, the, the proper perspective on the Word. So if we're going to preach a message from Christ, if I'm going to be a, a faithful follower of Jesus and I'm going to share the message of Christ, the Gospel, then I have to make sure I'm sharing what Jesus said and not what I think. Does that make sense? I can't, it, nobody needs to know what I think. Because everybody's got opinions, and usually they all stink. Okay? And Jesus, Jesus has the truth. He doesn't have an opinion, He's got the truth. So when I share with someone else who needs to know about Jesus, I don't have to make anything up. I just need to go to the Word and, and preach the truth. Uh, a great preacher out in the Northwest, his name's Art Azurdia. He's, he's very dynamic. And he said, I've used this uh, illustration more than once. He, he said, I am not the chef, I'm the waiter. I don't have to cook the food, I just have to get the food to the table without messing it up. That, that's our job. Jesus has prepared the, the meal, the, the food of God's Word. And we just, we're just the messenger. We just carry it from the kitchen to the table. Right? We don't have to come up with it. In fact, we should make sure we don't mess it up. So preach a message from Christ. Number two, live a life changed by Christ. Live a life changed by Christ. This testimony that Paul gives here, as in many other places in the New Testament, is evidence of the source of his message. So think about it this way. Personal application. When we tell people about Jesus if we were to share our personal testimony with them as a part of that, would our testimony, our own personal experience, would it support our sharing of the gospel or would it detract from it? Think about that. If we're sharing the truth of Jesus lived, died, rose, ascended, and here's all the pieces and parts of the gospel. He, he died because he's paying a debt that he didn't owe. He's taking his burden on, uh, our burden on himself, and he's paying the debt for our sins. If we're telling that story, and then we tell, you, tell them, well, let me tell you how, how I came to experience that. Does, that. does our personal experience get supported by the gospel? Do those things, are they consistent? That's, that's, that's the real question here. Are they consistent? Is the message I'm sharing consistent with what the Word of God says? Because look what Paul says in, in essence from verse 13 all the way down to verse 17. Because you know Paul's life before Jesus was very well documented. Uh, there's no secret as to what he was doing before Jesus met him on that road to Damascus. He persecuted the church of God, he says in his own words, beyond measure. Verse 13, I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. I tried to destroy it as if that were possible. In his mind, though, he was set out to destroy this new movement. They called it the way. 
He, he was set out to destroy anyone who believed in Jesus as the Messiah. That was his goal. And if you read the book of Acts, when he's uh, in, in uh, chapter 7 and 8 of Acts, when Stephen is getting stoned to death, you, you, there's a little side note there at the end of that story, that there was a young man named Saul standing there holding the coats of those who were throwing the rocks at Stephen. And the Bible says that he gave his full approval to Stephen being put to death. And it was right after that, in chapter 9, at the beginning of chapter 9, it says that Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the church. And he went to uh, the high priest to get letters to, to allow him to go to Damascus to find anybody he could that believed in Jesus and drag them into prison. And if they died, oh well. Th that was his goal. He was trying to, to completely squash this movement. And he is upfront about that because he says, this is what I did. I, I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. I tried to destroy it. And then he says in verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism. Now, you remember the name of these false teachers that are messing up the churches in Galatia? Judaizers. So it's like Paul was one of them. So who better to refute their arguments than someone who used to be in that same group? So it says he was advancing in Judaism beyond the people in his own age, in his contemporaries. It's like he was first in his class. This is where we get that information from. He was being exceedingly jealous for his father's traditions. Those words are kind of synonyms. Zealous and jealous. It's almost like a feeling of ownership. Like I'm going to fight for this more than anybody else. So when he says that in verse 14, more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions, means he is, he is really, really knocking it down for this group. He's doing more than everyone else, working harder than everyone else, studying more than everyone else. And it is his life's work at this time to put an end to anything that would come against Judaism, his beliefs. Now, that's part of his rise as a Pharisee as well. And so as he's saying that, he's trying to set up a before and after picture, so to speak. You know, he, nobody knows the depth of the grace and mercy of Christ until they see where you came from and where you are now. Do you understand what I'm saying? And by the way, if you, uh, like I, sometimes have struggled with, well, I've got this family member, and this family member doesn't believe in Jesus, but they're harder for me to talk to. Like I could talk to a stranger about Jesus and not worry about it, but this family member that I know really well, I'm having a hard time talking to them. Well, let me just give you a word of encouragement. If you're living for Jesus, and there was a time in your life when you weren't, who better than one of your family members to know and see more clearly the change in your life that Jesus Christ has brought about than someone who has known you since you were little? Who better than a close family member to be able to understand with greater depth your personal salvation experience and the change that Jesus is making? A, a stranger doesn't know that. They don't know you. 
But just be encouraged that when you're trying to share the gospel with a family member who is not a believer, just remember, the more you live for Jesus, they will be able to see that change better than anybody else. And that will give you more and more evidence of the truth and the life-changing power of the gospel. Like, look, You want to be able to say this, look at me. You know who I used to be. Before Jesus, you know how horrible of a person I was. You knew the, all the, the faults that I had and the way I used to act and my attitudes and my speech and the way I treated people. You know all those things. And, and look what Jesus has done. Look at the change that Jesus has made in my life. There's, there's no earthly reason for that. There's no explanation apart from the grace, mercy, and kindness of Jesus. So a testimony, a conversion experience can be a huge um, support to sharing the gospel. And Paul's is no different because his conversion experience with Christ was also well known, not just his previous life. Because the Bible says here that God set him apart before he was born. God called him through his grace. God was pleased to reveal his son in him. You see that right there in verses 15 and 16. So that he would preach to the Gentiles. So God had a purpose for Paul. And all that would come about after he got saved on the road to Damascus. But Paul's actions after being saved were very unique. Because look what he says, what he did after he was saved. The Bible says in verse 17, at the end of 16 and then going into 17, when all this happened, when, when he got saved... Look what it says in verse 16. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. So he spoke with no one at first. He didn't go to Jerusalem to see the other apostles at first. But he went alone to Arabia, then returned to Damascus. Now, there's a time period here. That, that we don't really see when we read just in Acts. So I want to just go back to Acts for just a second. And you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. But if you want to write it down, it's Acts chapter 9 from verse 17 to about verse 31. But here's what we read about Paul's salvation experience. Because in verse 17, that's where we read about Ananias going to Saul at the time and praying for him, it says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when, when Ananias did that and went to see Saul, scales, something like scales, fell from, fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. He got up and he was baptized. So we see, let's look at the, look at the, um, the progression here. When, when Saul got saved, became Paul... Ananias went to him, prayed with him. The scales fell off. He, he got up. He was baptized. The Bible says he took food and was strengthened. Now, listen what happens after that. And this is still, I'm reading from Acts 9, 19. It says, for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. In other words, there were some other believers in Damascus and he was with them for a few days. Then it says, he immediately began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he's the Son of God. And all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, isn't this he 
who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the same purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Can you understand what just happened? This guy's been saved a week, maybe. But he's so smart because of his previous education, and now all that's been redirected for the glory of God, now he's going right there where he is, in Damascus. He's going to the synagogues, and it says, the Bible says he's proving that Jesus is the Christ. And he's confounding all the Jews. So that's what he did right when he got saved. Now, there's a time period that we see here in Galatians, because if you go back to our text, you see that he didn't go to Jerusalem right away. He went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Now look at verse um, 18, because this is our transition into our third point today, which is bring glory to Christ. Bring glory to Christ. You have preach a message from Christ, live a life changed by Christ, and bring glory to Christ. And if you look at verse 18, the Bible says that three years later, he says, I went to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, who is Peter. Three years later. You know what that means? That means when he went away to Arabia and returned to Damascus, that whole time period, verse 17, took three years. So when we go back to Acts 9, and we look at what he was doing, it says that he was in Damascus all this time. Verse 23 says, Many days had elapsed. The Jews plotted to, to do away with him. Their plot became known to Saul. And they were watching the gates day and night so they might put him to death. His disciples took him by night, led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. And then verse 26, Acts 9:26, when he came to Jerusalem. Three years. So that little spot there in Acts, we don't see unless we read Galatians. We don't understand. Verse 26 in Acts 9, when he came to Jerusalem... He was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of Him. They didn't believe He was a disciple. You know why? Because He hadn't been there. He went away. Remember, He went all by Himself away to Arabia and then came back to Damascus. He didn't go to Jerusalem. All that time, think about this, three years, Jesus is working on Him. His change didn't just happen overnight. When he got saved, he immediately started preaching the gospel and preaching Jesus as the the Son of God. But he didn't go to Jerusalem, the, the home church, so to speak. He went away. So for three years, Jesus was working on him, speaking into his life, sharing the gospel truth with him. Because what did he say in Galatians 1 Verse 11 and 12. This gospel that I preached wasn't according to man. It wasn't received from man, nor was I taught it. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So all during this time, that revelation of Jesus Christ is being implanted into Paul, so he's going to be prepared when he comes to Jerusalem and they finally accept him. Uh, Acts 9.28 says he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And, And all this time, the church is being strengthened and built up 
because Paul's being obedient. So he's preaching a message from Christ. He's living a life that has been changed by Christ. And then now, after three years, it says here he went to, finally went to Jerusalem and he became acquainted with Peter. He stayed with him 15 days. He didn't see any other of the apostles except for James. And then, as if he's being doubted for some reason, look at verse 20. This is such an odd little insert right here. It's in parentheses. He says, I promise, I'm not lying. It's almost like his story is so fantastic and so uh, amazing that it's possible that people might not believe him. He says, I assure you before God, I'm not lying. And then in verse 21, he goes into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. But he says, I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. Now, why is that important? Remember what we started off with, with the little story about Steve Spurrier? His reputation precedes him. So, so look at what Paul's saying. When you get to verse 22, Paul is saying, they hadn't seen me yet. I hadn't met these brothers yet. But they were hearing about me. They were hearing about me. He spent some time in Syria and Cilicia, but he was still personally unknown to all the Christian churches in Judea. But look what they were hearing. Verse 23. They kept hearing the same story. He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith he tried to destroy. He switched teams. He's not walking with the Judaizers anymore. He's preaching the true gospel. And so... All these churches, think about all this time that Jesus has been pouring into Paul, preparing him for this massive work of missionary travels and church planting and gospel preaching. All this time, he's still personally unknown to these other churches, but they keep hearing about him. They keep hearing, this, this guy, he used to persecute us now he's preaching the same thing we're preaching now he believes the same thing we believe you know what something must have happened he must have met jesus and so now that interaction with jesus on the damascus road has completely changed who he is so he's trying to remind these poor believers in galatia that are being disrupted by these false teachers hey jesus makes a difference He's not somebody that you meet and just forget about it. Jesus makes an eternal difference. Don't leave Him. Don't quit Him. He makes an eternal difference in your life. He's not something you just take or leave based on your mood that day. Jesus goes with you forever. That, that change should be continual in your life. Paul says, after he says that they kept hearing... He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Look at the last verse of our passage today, verse 24. They were glorifying God because of me. A lot of these folks hadn't even met him yet. But they're 
giving glory to God. They're not giving glory to Paul. They're giving glory to God. See, the messenger doesn't get the glory. The God of the message gets the glory. The one that Paul is preaching, this Jesus, that has completely transformed his life. It says, because of me, literally, they were glorifying God in me. In, in his testimony, in his speech, in his actions, in his uh, life that supports and is consistent with the gospel, is bringing glory to God. So, so how does all this kind of close up for us? How, how do we take all this and apply these things to our lives? Well, a few things. Just the, the three points that you'll see on the screen. Those three. Those directly apply to us, right? We need to preach a message from Christ. We need to live a life that's been changed by Christ. We need to bring glory to Christ. Those are easy application points. But here's the other one that maybe is a little bit more subtle. It's that last couple of verses there. Verse 23 and verse 24. Paul's reputation preceded him. They were hearing about this guy. And they were bringing glory to God. So here's the last part of personal application for us. What are people hearing about us? People that haven't met us yet. What would, what would they hear about us? What would people hear about me? And what conclusion would they draw? Would it be like this here? Well, they kept hearing. He, he's preaching this faith. He's, he's preaching the gospel. They were glorifying God because of him. Do people glorify God because of me? That's the real application of these three truths right here. Do people glorify God because of me? Now, I'm supposed to glorify God. I'm supposed to live a life that's changed by God. I'm supposed to preach the Word of God. But do other people glorify God because of my life, because of how I live, because of how I share the Gospel, or how I treat people, or how I speak? Do, do other people glorify God? That's the, the true test. What are people hearing? What do people know about us? Does our reputation bring glory to Christ? Or does it drive people away from Christ? What's, what's really happening? Because you've probably heard this saying before. My, my preacher... Years ago, when I was uh, in middle school and high school, he used to tell us uh, to be a sermon in shoes. That's how we ought to live, be a sermon in shoes. And, and you probably heard it said uh, more than once. Well, you know, your life might be the only sermon some people ever hear. So what are they hearing? How are we preaching the gospel with our lives? Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.